Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What's going on everybody? Welcome to 48 Minutes as we continue our team previews for the 2019 NBA season. I am Tim Daniel, and it is Brooklyn Nets time, so we are now going to the other side of New York, as we just did the Knicks a couple weeks ago. Joining us, coming back on the show, hasn't been with us in a couple years, from NetsDaily.com, Mr. Anthony Puccio. Anthony, welcome back, man. How you been? Tim, it's great to be back, man. Just enjoyed summer, ready for the basketball season. Aren't we all? Yes, it's been a crazy time. Um, Before we get into, obviously, talking about the Nets... And talk about all the Anthony's work. Let you know you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course Spotify. And you can also check our website at 48minutesnetwork.com where you can check all of our previous episodes and all the team previews as we go and try and knock these out. So now, Anthony, <clears throat> the Nets have been very busy this offseason. Obviously, we've got to hop in there because there's a lot to cover. Um, you talk about getting guys like Kenneth Fareed. You talk about getting guys like Jared Dudley. Um, you talk about signing guys like Shabazz Napier, like Ed Davis, bringing back Joe Harris. Um, this is a team that really is going to have some money next year. They're really trying to make some things happen. What do you take in from this offseason and all the moves they made so far? Well, I think to to start on uh, the note that you mentioned, that they're going to have a lot of money next season. That's that's the key. You know, They want to give themselves space, at least 50 to $70 million, where if they do win enough games and that there are free agents that – enticed by Brooklyn that they'll have that space um, obviously if it doesn't work that way then they see it as uh, you know maybe they could pick someone up next summer and then the summer of 2019-2020 you know they're, they're thinking a year two years in advance but in terms of the moves that they made um, you know you look at the names and they're, they're all solid uh, role players I would say off the bench but nothing that moves the needle necessarily um you know, a guy like Ed Davis, somebody that's good coming off the bench to back up Jared Allen, good mentor, things like that. You know, Shabazz Napier, come off the bench, 37.7% three-point shooter last season. So I like that they they got some veteran leadership in there with Jared Dudley. Uh, you got to like that they created space, and, and, you know, they're looking more towards the future, but at the same time, they're looking to get better now. And you mentioned that. Um, so, obviously, you know, the horror of the Kevin Garnett-Paul Pierce trade is now behind them. Those, tra- those picks are all over the place now. They are gone. And it does seem like this team can finally move in that right direction, like you mentioned. Um, you, you know, obviously, there is some upside. There is some talent there. You mentioned guys like Jared Allen, who I'm really high on. Um, DeAndre Russell is a guy I still have a lot of expectations for. Um, how do you expect to see some of these young guys mix in with these older guys? Like you meant, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Jared Dudley, Kenneth Fareed, Shabazz Napier, to go with these DeAndre Russells, these Spencer Deadwoodies, these Jared Allens. Um, I, I think these are all guys that are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and, and we've heard a lot of that with the Nets the last two seasons. But uh, it, it's kind of become their identity, right? So you know, somebody like a Shabazz. He's coming off a pretty solid season for himself, probably his best of his career. And I think he's coming to Brooklyn with the opportunity to, to get even better, to take that next step. And 
And, you know, that's really the whole point with this young group. You know, you, you look at guys like D'Angelo Russell, uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. You know, we mentioned Jared Allen, Spencer Dimwitty, Karis LeVert. You know, these are guys that have to take the next step. So if the Nets do want to learn free agents next season, if that's if that's their primary goal, which I'm sure it is if they're clearing all that space, um, these guys have to show that they're, they're good foundational pieces, you know, around these stars. So... Again, it's about taking that next step. You know, they won 28 games last season. If they could take another eight-win improvement, eight-game improvement, that you know, that would be huge for them. Yeah, that would be. And I think um, you talk about you know just the upside of what's happening here. I think um, and a lot of people are definitely shocked going back to last year with the D'Angelo Russell trade. And it kind of seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe not with what they're trying to do for next year. It seems like at the current moment, that's the guy they're kind of building around, and that's the guy they're kind of trying to make things happen with. Um, you know, Jeremy Lin's not there anymore. Um, there is a Dar- Daryl Arthur's gone. You know, there's the weird Dwight Howard thing where, you, where Dwight Howard was in that for, oh, 25 minutes. Um, what, what do you expect to see from D'Angelo kind of having, kind of being the primary ball handler for this team and really kind of maybe even being the primary scorer? What are your expectations for him? Yeah, I, you know, with D'Angelo, you look at him and, and his potential and, and just the Nets in general, their whole roster, this whole this whole season really depends on where D'Angelo goes. And, uh, you know, my personal opinion is that he does take that next step forward. Um, you know, the Nets aren't exactly worried about his potential. They know he has, he has great court vision. He could score the ball at will. But the one thing they're worried about is his health. If he could stay healthy, if his knee could stay healthy all season, then he should, you know, he should be able to take that next step in terms of, you know, maybe 20 points per game, six assists, and they really want to see him lead, you know. Aside from just, you know, how many points per game he's scoring or if he's an all-star or not, they want to see him step up as a leader. And obviously, as, as you know, we all know, on his way out from L.A., uh, Magic mentioned something about him not being a leader. And, you know, he doesn't talk about it much, but I think that that certainly uh, – that certainly stuck with him, especially in a contract year right now. Um, you know, this is his year. This is his year to shine, and it's year four for him. Uh, so it's time for him to live up to the hype. And look, the Nets need it. So again, it, it, this is it. This is the year that he's got to. This is the year that he has to do it. Yeah, especially you talk about this is a team that's kind of rumored to be, like we said earlier, they're gonna have a lot of money. Um, they're one of the teams that have been mentioned in this potential Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler potential spot if those two want to team up together, like have been rumored. I know the Knicks have been mentioned with the with uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, be that as it may. So, you know, what are your expectations for what this team can offer? In fact, besides the fact it's New York City, it is a team really trying to make another name for themselves, going into playing this year, trying to get better now, like you said, but also trying to show this product to grow for these guys, these big-time free agents. What do you expect Brooklyn to use to their strengths and advantages for guys like Kyrie, like Jimmy Butler, not like Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Clay, all those guys from that next offseason? You know, Tim, I think the big thing with Brooklyn, and, and I wrote about it earlier this summer, is that um, their culture is obviously being thrown around a lot. You know, they're, they're trying to replicate what the Spurs have been doing now with Sean Marks here, but um, it's the coaching staff. Kenny Atkinson and his staff, you know, it's it's the fact that they're they're more players coaches you know and it's so important for guys to know that you know somebody always has their back and and they're always going to get better with with this staff you know you look at a Spencer Dinwiddie you know he got so much better with Atkinson a Joe Harris who just signed a, a you know a bigger contract after coming out of the G League basically an unknown player 
Um, you know, the list goes on with these guys, and and um, I think I think the biggest sell for free agents and, and the identity of this team is really the coaching staff and and the culture and and the culture is you know that they work hard. They're going to try and outwork the opponent every single night. There's no such thing as a night off when you're playing in Brooklyn now, and you know that's that's something that you really haven't been able to say about the Nets in the past. So it's really refreshing just just to even hear them in the conversation again. So if I had to say anything, I would say the culture, the the coaching staff, and you know now you know you have the amenities, you have Brooklyn, New York City, all, everything. You just need the guys to show that that they're capable of being again foundational pieces around these guys. So Spencer Didwitty is a guy you bring up, and obviously skills competition guy from the All Star from the All Star break last year. As a Bulls fan, I, I really remember thinking Spencer Woody should have made the team out of preseason one year, and then they cut him for a lot of really bad point guards. Um, so you know, I'm still a little jealous that you get to see Spencer Didwitty get better and better every night while I watch Cameron Payne back up Chris Dunn. <laughs> yeah, Spencer. You know the thing with Spencer is he's. He, I mean, he, look, his basketball IQ is out the window. I mean, and and what a joy to watch and 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 grow. I can't I can't say enough. And just little things, even just talking after the game, talking basketball with him, and hearing what he has to say. You know, he 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 uh, he's kind of everything that you want in a point guard. You know, from for Kenny Atkinson, he, it's it's a good relationship that the two have. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 been great to watch him grow, and just like watching the Twitter stands. I don't know if you read the article recently. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I forget who wrote it, but you know, just everything with Dinwiddie is just you know, it's a great story. Sorry about dropping him. Same with Detroit. Yeah, I uh, I did laugh at his tweet yesterday when he said, "I came out of the gym and I got a follow from Woj. Should I be worried?" That's yeah. That's that's typical Spencer. Yeah. But you know he's he's not guaranteed. Uh, I mean his contract isn't guaranteed dis- until December. They have to make a decision. So I don't know. He might actually have to be worried whether he's, he's getting traded or not midseason. That'd be a guy. I'm sure a lot of teams would really like to have. I'm sure you know he's. I mean, like we like the talent and everything we've talked about. His ability, the best best kind of point guard you can have for your for your team situation. That's a guy that people could really, really want to take some, take a shot on for sure. So that is definitely going to be interesting. Um, Anthony, let's talk a little bit about the Nets and the draft this year. They had a couple picks this year, which is surprising, obviously, in years past from, uh, like we mentioned, recovered from the KG Paul Pierce trade. So they take some guys that if you don't follow the draft, you probably don't know. So maybe you can give us a little bit of a scouting report on. Um, first of the 29th pick to take, Dazan Musa. And then the 40th pick to take, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so Rodion's Krukus. Rodion's Curix. Curix. I was very off. They're calling him Hot Rod in Brooklyn, all the guys in the locker room. So, um, John and Musa is actually, uh, look, he's 19 years old. He's he's one of the, I believe he's the third youngest net to ever put on a uniform of but look, they're so high on these guys, and 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 both of them, they have this like this this swagger to them that you don't really see much when European players come over here. And and I think that's the number one thing right now that they like. They like that they're confident. Secondly, in terms of their their actual skills, um, you know, we're talking about guys. Both of them are six foot nine. Kurek has a 
like a seven foot five wingspan or something like that. Uh, Musa, very similar as well. And people are seeing them as stretch bigs, but you know, John and Musa has said several times, I, I can handle a rock. Um, Kenny Atkinson has said, you know, he could play point, he could play uh, wing. He, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of those guys, I mean, playing basically any of the positions. And if they want to go small, you put Musa at the five or four. Only thing is that he's so raw, and you know he's going to get bullied by bigger guys. So I again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play a lot of point guard or, or shooting guard. In terms of Curix or you know Hot Rod, uh, I think right now he's probably going to play with the Long Island Nets in the G League. But you know, there's he's somebody that they're very high on. As a matter of fact, last season uh, they had him, I believe, in their first round uh, first round mock draft. So you know. For them, they feel like they got two steals. Nobody really knows who they are, so I'm excited to see what they could do. I mean, you talk, yeah, and you got to kind of trust what Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson and your career are doing now. I mean, Jared Allen is a prime example of a guy they got late first round, and we saw a ton of upside from him. We saw a lot of development as the season went on. You know, for a team that kind of lost a little bit of their identity, losing a guy like Brooke Lopez, um, I think Jared Allen did a really good job being athletic. And obviously, we don't have to talk about that Laurie Marketing dunk that I never want to see again. But um, I think Jared Allen's an awesome centerpiece as well. I think that's a guy, you know, it seems like, and you know, obviously you know better than I do, it kind of really seems like those guys like Marks and Atkins that are kind of building Jared Allen to kind of be their center of the future. Is that something you would say? Absolutely. Um, you know, all the attention is on D'Angelo Russell and, and these other guys like Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeBert even. Jared Allen is, is their prototypical center. I mean, like, they, they I can't tell you, they get giddy every time, you know, a reporter brings his name up. And they just see him as that perfect rim-running big, you know, a Clint Capella type of big. Uh, and, you know, if you ask them, they'll say that they think he could be better than Clint Capella. So, again, I think it's it's the way he fits in their system, the, the uh, you know, just this, this long ball that they're playing. And and now he's shooting 103 pointers a day at practice. So if he could stretch the floor, he's going to be, you know, he's he's their guy right now. And again, uh, D'Angelo Russell is kind of taking all the attention and everything like that. But Jared Allen is the name to to watch for, especially he's only 20 years old, just turned 20, I believe, this summer. With, with Russell and him, is it something where you kind of expect to see Brooklyn run? Maybe a lot of pick and rolls, or kind of like like kind of play the in and out offense, maybe down the post. Yeah, I would suppose the thing is that they they shoot what they shot thirty seven three pointers a game last season. So yeah, I I imagine a lot of pick and roll because it worked very well with Jared Allen last season. Uh, more so with Dinwiddie and actually Karis Levert running the point. But uh, yeah, I would see I would say a lot of pick and roll, but. In and out game, you know, they, they're not trying to shoot a lot of two-pointers or mid-ranges or anything like that. So, yeah, you know, they, I don't know. I just don't see Jared Allen being the focal point. Like, he's that type of guy they want putting the ball back in or tapping it out and just running the floor on, on fast breaks and things like that. And with that, you know, he'll get his double-doubles because they're going to take 37 three-pointers a game, if not more. And and he's going to be right there with his seven-foot-six wingspan. Awesome. So that's definitely a guy I look forward to seeing as he kind of develops as well. Um, Kenneth Fareed comes to town. We mentioned it a couple times. I am a huge fan of Fareed's career. I know he's kind of at the end of his career, um, but you know, maybe not necessarily. You, might, you know, he's kind of past what he used to be. 
he's still a great rebounder. He's still a guy that you can really tr- trust to kind of go and eat some minutes up. Um, and obviously, you know, for a guy that's been around a long time, a perfect guy to have to be a mentor in the locker room. You know, being in the locker room like you have, being around these guys, um, what do you, how do you, how have you seen the reaction and the response to having Fareed on the team, hearing his name from the guys? You know, is that something you're noticing? Uh, I haven't I haven't heard much from the guys yet, but I got to tell you, just from just from that trade alone and and Fareed's past, you know, he's only 28 years old. He's playing on a contract year. He's not coming off any major injuries, you know. He just kind of lost his spot in Denver, you know. He, he wasn't a fit anymore. So I think I think he comes to Brooklyn. He fills a void at least. He could run the floor. He could rebound, which they so desperately need. And, uh, you know, with the Nets, they like to play small ball and, and position, positionless ball. So I could see him playing a lot of five behind Jared Allen, splitting time with Ed Davis, you know, as that backup role actually. Even though he's only six foot seven, like again, he, as long as he's tenacious on the glass as he's been his whole career, Kenny Atkinson's going to use that to his advantage. So, me personally, I'm excited to see him play. I, I, I think he's that perfect kind of guy in Brooklyn. He again, he's going to run with them. He's going to be running at the rebounds while they're shooting forty threes a game. And again, I, I just I I love his tenacity. I love his grit, and I think I think he's a good fit. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think so, too. I think that he's going to be a really good fit for what that team wants to do as well. Um, especially, you know, we talk about, like we said earlier, uh, guys like, uh, well, I guess we can talk about it. Um, let's get to this point here because I keep reiterating. So the Dwight Howard mess happened. Uh, Timothy Mozgov gets moved. Dwight Howard's contract comes in. He's bought out. Um, was there a moment there in that trade? Did you kind of know this is what the expectation was? Or was there a moment where you thought, oh, shit, I might have to cover Dwight Howard this year? Yeah, I actually did because they they don't have many big guys. I mean, they didn't have Ed Davis at the time, so it was just Jared Allen. He was the only one that was above six foot ten. So I'm thinking, all right, uh, you know, look, this is a guy that's still averaging a double double per season. And then you keep hearing these rumors about you know his past and and how he's been a cancer in a locker room and things like that. And suddenly you start to think about Brooklyn and what I mentioned before, you know, culture and and and. Uh, character guys. They they really appreciate these high character guys that are coming. They're gonna work hard, and it's you know it's kind of a you check your ego at the door type of thing, you know. And once I started hearing that, you kind of started getting the hint that maybe Dwight Howard wasn't meant to be in Brooklyn. Um, I know that he wanted to play here. I think that they told him they didn't want him here, and I you know I think that I think that was it. And negotiated the buyout. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I mean, it was you know it, we kind of joked that it was like three years too late because Dwight, you know, Dwight Howard's been rumored to them a couple times. So I would like to see him there. I think Dwight kind of has that New York feel, but maybe not the best locker room guy from over and I starting to understand for a while now. No, and and that's the big thing with him. The locker room issues were were seriously his. That's that's why he's not playing in Brooklyn right now. Among many other reasons, as you mentioned, you know, he should have been here three years ago. But, you know, oh, you think about how, how things would have been different if he if he came here three years ago. You know, maybe maybe he takes some of the pressure off of Darren Williams. And his whole career is different. It's it's just, you know, it's crazy. I, I forget about it because the Dwight Mayor happened. We call it the Dwight Mayor six times <laughs> by my count. So, you know, it's it's nice to know that I think it's over. But, you know, it's never over until he retires. Yeah, I, you're not kidding there. 
here's what's interesting I find about this New York Nets team, and I know we're kind of going a mile a minute here. Um, when you look at, not New York, well, Brooklyn Nets, he, um, the point I was trying to make is, if you look at all these kind of teams that share markets, it kind of seems like there's like a big, big gap between like interest and talent level and things like that. You know, you look at the Lakers and the Clippers and things like that. I think what's interested about interesting about this Nets Knicks thing is there's not really a big difference in the teams right now. I mean, I think you can make the case that the Nets are probably a more stable front office, uh, and then you but they don't have Kristaps Porzingis. What do you think it's going to take now for Brooklyn to kind of win some fans over on the New York side? I know Knicks are dieharders, but Nets are dieharders as well. What do you think it's going to take for the Nets to really kind of get some of the attention the Knicks are getting in New York? Well, they kind of took that, that fun basketball identity last season. You know, they, they played fun, quick basketball that fans like to see, but in order to steal some fans, they need a star, uh, if not stars, you know. The Knicks have at least Porzingis right now, who's probably going to miss the whole season. So, you know, they got to try and capitalize on that this season. And, you know, it starts with D'Angelo Russell. And I think D'Lo is that type of guy that, yeah, he's not a superstar yet, but people like him, you know, and and kind of like the younger generation, they, they gravitate towards his style, his whether it be his off-court swagger or just the way he plays on the court and things like that. Um, you know, somebody like D'Angelo Russell stepping up and becoming an all-star next season. That's how you That's how you gain Knicks fans, you know. And then, you know, you mentioned Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. Of course, if those guys come to Brooklyn, then, then you're stealing fans. But, you know, Tim, I got to be honest, it's been six years now, I believe, in Brooklyn. And, you know, they made the playoffs three times. Um, it's been hard for them to steal fans. But when they did have Pierce, when they did have Garnett, the Knicks were were very successful, but they were selling out a lot. And you know, it's it's just such a simple answer as just being good again, like just right. back to respectability. And I think fans do see that they're heading in the right direction. They have a stable front office, as you mentioned. Now it's about seeing the results and 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 seeing if anybody gravitates towards Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them kind of take those steps. A uh, co- couple more things before we get you out of here. Um, Jason Kidd, obviously, going into the Hall of Fame. And, obviously, you know, one of the best point guards ever. We don't like to talk about his, his Nets coaching year, obviously. I know it has some interesting moments in it. But uh, when you look at now with Jay Kidd, his career, everything he's done, one of the best point guards ever. But what Jay Kidd means to the Nets and what he's doing here. Uh, how do you look back at Jason Kidd's tenure, especially now that he is kind of going to Springfield where he belongs? You know, Tim, I, I was seven years old when Jason Kidd was traded to the Nets, and um, that's how I became a Nets fan because my dad actually bought season tickets right when, when he got traded here, and he said, I want you to learn basketball from him. And, you know, they tur- he turned a 26-win team into a 52-win team that went to the championship two seasons in a row. Um I don't think there's enough you can say about what he did as a leader for the Nets, right? So when he got traded here, he stood up at a team dinner and he said, the losing stops now, follow my lead. And that's what happened. And, I mean, what, they made four, I think, four or five playoff appearances in a row. Um, you know, they went from Stephon Marbury and, and Steven Jackson and guys like that, you know, just – uh, didn't exactly give the Nets the best reputation to this team that suddenly were the underdogs that everybody was rooting for. And, 
you know, Jason Kidd's legacy with, with the New Jersey Nets is just, you know, he, he's the best player they've ever had. And that's no discredit to Dr. J, obviously, but, you know, Dr. J was in the ABA. And, you know, Kidd just, as a leader, he's, and, and just as a player, it's, it's, I can't say enough. And, you know, the whole coaching thing, it was very unfortunate. But once the Nets moved from Jersey to Brooklyn, it was kind of a, you know, they, they just kind of left Jersey in the dirt. And I'm telling you, New Jersey Nets fans will tell you that now. It's it's a real shame because they don't embrace the history at all. And, you know, Jason Kidd brought the few banners that they actually have in the rafters at Barclays Center. And what they did was they, they put them into black and white instead of red, white, and blue like they were in Jersey. And, like, little things like that, like, the fans just, like, it's it's so disrespectful to the history that the Nets do have. Not that there is many memories, but Jason Kidd is one of the bright spots. And, you know, I think now that he's finally being inducted into the Hall of Fame, people are starting to appreciate his tenure with the Nets. But as for the Nets themselves, and this is my, one of my biggest beats with the organization, is that, you know, they don't they don't embrace him at all. They have one thing, and it's, it's a season ticket plan or a 20-ticket plan, and it's against all the teams that he played for, you know, so... Obviously, they're going to capitalize off of that in the marketing department. But otherwise, it's a shame that he's not embraced for who he is and, and what he did for this organization and the fan base. That's surprising to me. Um, not in the case of you know trying to kind of make a new image in Brooklyn, but it's unbelievable to me because of the case of you know that Nets team was the most fun team they had for a long time. Not just him, but Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter, Kenyon Martin. I mean, all those guys were such a big, big team, and, you know, obviously they played a Lakers team probably a year too soon. That Lakers team was on fire, probably one of the best teams ever. Yeah. And um, I know that that kind of is, is shocking to me. Yeah, that that it, it's, like I said, it's, it's really unfortunate. And just as a long-time Nets fan or somebody that grew up watching them and especially during that those those glory years it's 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 really disappointing and again it goes beyond the coaching they just kind of wanted to put Jersey off to the side I mean look Tim you know like I said it's been what six years that they've been in Brooklyn they don't even have a Jersey that says Nets on it so you know it's just it's 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 kind of shameful and it goes with everything you know jason kidd deserves to be the guy like i know things went sour with his coaching career in brooklyn the one year that he had here but you know a lot of things went sour in the past so i guess my opinion you leave it in the past and just move on yeah absolutely who's the next guy on that team that next team that we talked about to kind of join him in that area i mean obviously vince carter is probably the real answer here because everything he did in Toronto and New Jersey. But is there cases for the Richard Jeffersons and the Kenyon Martins there as well? I wish there were, but I feel like there's not going to be. Even Vince Carter, like, it seems like people are on the fence because he wants to go into the hall as a, as a Raptor, but, you know, he had some great times with the Nets. And, you know, they gave his number 15 to Isaiah Whitehead, who played on the team for two seasons. You know, it's, it's like... Little things like that, again, that the Nets fans would love to see Vince Carter's 15 be retired. Um, I can't see Kenyon Martin, you know, his, his number getting retired or anything like that, especially after what happened with Jeremy Lin last season, how, he, you know, he called him out for the dreadlocks and said some pretty pretty nasty things. Um, 
You know, again, that 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 bridge to Jersey has just been cut. Even Richard Jefferson, I just I don't see it. I I'd love to see it, but I I don't see it happening. It's a shame. Yeah, it's weird because maybe from that era, maybe the second closest might be Marbury, and you talk about everything he kind of left in New Jersey and how rough it was. And yeah. I loved Marbury in New Jersey, but like that trade, I think he made, you know that trade was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the best trade in the history, you know. It saved it saved them. It, um, but other than Kid, I mean, who else do you have? Drazen Petrovic, you know, and he obviously passed too soon. And and Doctor J, who was in the ABA, and they had to sell him off. Well, Kerry Kittles, obviously. Oh yeah, well, Kerry Kittles. <laughs> Our guy Kendall Gill, he's been on the show. Kendall Gill, he's a good guy, good player. But you know, all the, like even like the Derek Coleman's. Uh, just Keith Van Horns, I, you know, just solid players that'll that'll like almost be forgotten just because they never embrace embrace the Jersey days. Yeah, I hear you. It's unfortunate for sure. All right, Anthony. Last question before we roll out here because you were so kind to give me a few minutes of your time. Every team preview we've done, we've tried to get a bold prediction for the team we're covering. So I ask you, my friend. What is your bold prediction for the 2018-19 Brooklyn Nets? Oh, all right. I'll give you – I'll say D'Angelo Russell finishes in the top three for most improved player, and they surprise people and finish with the 10th seed. With the 10th Any- seed? Yeah. I like it because I've had such a hard time figuring out the 8th seed in the East. Like, I'm like, maybe Cleveland? No. Maybe Chicago? No. Maybe the Knicks, definitely not. It's pretty hard. I think they could compete. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to go out and say this ridiculous hot take that they're going to make the playoffs. But you know, a part of me says they might be able to with the weakened East, and you know, they're they're an improved roster as you mentioned before. So if D'Angelo Russell steps up and has like a, you know, Victor Oladipo type of season, and I know that's a high task, but if he can improve in that sense take that next step they might they might find themselves in a position that surprises a lot of people our whole team <clears throat> our whole team is very pro d'angelo russell like everyone every year we all expect him to kind of take that next step so i'm with you man i hope it happens i can't wait to see what he brings this year so anthony this has been awesome i really appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time to kind of talk do this with us again it's been a while since we had you on the show since our corner three days, that's how long it's been. So before we do get you out of here, man, please, by all means, take a minute, take the floor to shout out your website, your social media accounts, anything you want, the floor is yours. Cool. Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, guys, you can find me on NetsDaily.com. Uh, my Twitter is at Apooch, like a dog. Um, I'm basically on all Twitter, pla- on all social media platforms. You know, I, I host a biweekly show on Periscope. It's called State of the Nets, so... If you ever want to tune in, interact, anything like that, I'm on every social media platform as Pooch. So, you find me, you reach out. I'm more than glad to interact with any fans. Uh, Tim, always a pleasure, obviously, and thank you for having me on the show, man. Absolutely, glad to have you. So, this has been the Brooklyn Nets preview for the 48 minutes uh, team preview season. Thank you so much again to Anthony for joining us, and thank you for listening. Or you can check out every other team preview on our app website at 48minutesnetwork.com or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iTunes, Alexa, and of course Spotify. This has been Tim Daniel on behalf of 48 Minutes. Everyone, have a great night.